This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude adjustment may contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude, Altitude. Adjustment. Good afternoon. I'm Leon Davis, along with Warren Harper. You're listening to Altitude Adjustment, the twice-a-week podcast about people, politics, and professions. Uh, it is Saturday, 2 p.m. on January the 22nd, and I welcome you. I appreciate you being here. We're going to talk a little bit about politics today. So today's show is about taking stock in Congress, and Warren... Um, brought this topic up. It is a of uh, concern for, for all of us. Uh, we are missing one of our co-hosts today, Leonard, and we um, wish him the best and that he'll, he'll be back to join us soon. Um, and so we're, we're, he's in our minds and in our thoughts. Uh, we're looking forward to having you back soon, Leonard. Um, so, <clears throat> so there were uh, some things we, 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 had some articles and we have several and what you'll find in, if you find the show, you'll find the show notes. You can find it on uh, YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Um, you can find it on our um, Twix channel, Twitch channel. And um, if you uh, look on my Facebook page, uh, you can find the links to some of the material that we used to, uh, create our show today the things that helped us inform us of the of what we're trying the topic that we're trying to talk about so definitely look for those links because i think they're important and i included those links that you added um uh, warren okay sounds great so the idea is is that congress has the ability to buy and trade stocks on the open market. And the concern is that that ability creates a level of distrust. Would you agree? For sure. Based on the idea that they could have inside information about things coming down the pipeline as far as legislation, regulation, deregulation, things that could manipulate the prices of that stock. And also um, be, be a benefit to friends that they may have or lobbyists that they may uh, come into contact for those particular companies and, uh, you know, in, in, that, in that vein. So I agree. Um, one of the things that and I was going to actually, I was going to save this for last, um, but I am going to actually push it first. House okay. Speaker Nancy Pelosi, uh, she's a Democrat from California, um, just recently defended congressional stock trading by arguing the United States is a free market economy, continues to lead the field. She continues to lead the field in options trading having bought $12.75 million worth of options contracts in 2021. It's well more than the next highest trader, which is Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, a Republican from Alabama, who sold $2 million worth of stock options himself in 2021. Hmm. So the problem doesn't 
so first off, the problem of uh, trading stocks does not is not a uh, one party problem. This is not something that's that one party is more guilty of than another. Uh, Insider.com and several other news organizations in 2021 identified 54 members of Congress who failed to properly report their financial trades as mandated by the Stock Stop Trading on Congressional Knowledge Act of 2012. It is also known as the Stock Act. Um, 54. 54 members of Congress have violated this act. Now, the first impression is to think these are very serious transgressions or these are very, um, I don't want to put this, very illegal transgressions. Uh-huh. And I don't want to, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm asking everyone to uh, hold a judgment just for a moment. And I'm going to point out a couple of transgressions. Uh, Senator Patrick Maloney, a Democrat from New York, was months late in disclosing that he sold eight stocks he inherited in mid-2020 when his mother died. Representative Brian Mast, a Republican from Florida, uh, he was late disclosing that he had purchased up to $100,000 in stock in an aerospace company. The president of the company had just testified before a congressional subcommittee on which Mast sits. So some of these transgressions, uh, so uh, Fred yelled out to us, hey Fred, how you doing? I'm glad you joined us, appreciate it. Um, so, so some of these transgressions, now there were a couple of members of Congress that were kicked out of Congress because of the, uh, their trading habits. Uh, so, so there's this wide range of violations, some as mundane as not reporting a trade. So, you know, the, the guy gets stocks because his mother dies. So she's got stocks. He inherits the stocks because, um, because of his relationship. Um, and then he doesn't make that a priority to report though that stock acquisition and sale. Could have been an oversight. Could have been an oversight. I don't know. I don't know what the time period is for that, that, you know, from the time that you execute that trade to when you're required to report that to whatever congressional committee or office or whoever tracks and follows that information. And as you can tell, I didn't do a research to find out who that was, but, uh, it, you know, I don't know what that time period is. And it could have been that he well should have, that he had plenty of time. It could have been six months. Well, in six months time, you know, um, for you, for him, 18 stocks or 50 stocks or whatever it was, was not a big deal. 
In fact, he may have lost money because uh, of commission fees to sell the stock. Could have. So, I mean, yeah, a situation like that, the devil is going to be in the details for sure. You got to look at the numbers. Did he make a lot of money? Did he lose money? Was it kind of flat? Was there any uh, big news that came out right at right before the uh, transaction causing him to make money or avoiding a loss? You know, all those details would kind of help indicate whether it was a uh, insider deal or not. Mm-hmm. I think that's the big issue with with trading is the, are they trading off of inside information? That's the concern. That's that's one of the major concerns. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there I, there's got to be other concerns. So, you know, you you're you're working next to lobbyists. You know, the, the lobbyists are connected with these companies. Yep. You know, so. So, you know, you you have an idea of whether you're going to c- continue to run for your seat or not. You're looking for a cushion for when you exit out of office. So you then, um, you know, you're talking to a, a, a lobbyist. They're telling you the company is, you know, looking strong. Uh, they've just, you know, they, they tell you some things about what's going on in the company. And it may not necessarily, it may be innocuous stuff, just that, you know, the CEO had a new baby or, you know, something like that. And those little things can influence stock prices. And you know that, you know, you've got that little bit of information. You're looking to to pad your exit out of uh, your, your office. And you don't think that, uh, you don't think really hard that that was insider trading information. Okay. So, so, so you go ahead and you execute that trade. Mm -hmm. Like you said, the devil's in the details like that. The guy that inherited stocks from his mother, you know, there are, there's other things that go along with determining how the, the size of the transgression of the individual. And, and so for me, and, and I read the, the, uh, statement from, or the, the, it was part of an article, and a little bit about Nancy Pelosi's take on uh, Congress being able to invest in the stock market about it being a free, free market system. Uh, because we have a free market system, does not necessarily mean that Congress is free to partake of that free market system. That sounds like a good argument there from uh, politicians. Their freedom to exercise uh, their rights as citizens, wouldn't you think? And, and I'm and I'm glad you brought that up. So, so here's here's one of the ways that I'm looking at the situation. These elected officials are what we call public servants. Mm -hmm. So they serve 
So, um, they're supposed to serve anyway. Well, the, the, they're, they're elected as public servants. So, so the question then becomes, if you're a public servant, you're supposed to be there for the public good. Right. So the question is, is, so one of the questions is, as a public servant, are you allowed to do things for your own personal benefit in that office? Is that a question? That's a, that's a question. The question is, as a public servant, because the responsibility of a public servant is to serve the public, correct? Sure. So if you're there to serve the, the public, do you get to put your personal needs above that of the people that pay your bills, that pay that give you a paycheck to serve them? Well, I think that's done all the time. That's the way they work. It may be done. It may, it may be where they work. And so what I'm trying to get at is, should it be that way? No, it shouldn't be that way, but how do you actually control what people in Congress do when a lot of them consider themselves above the law? And then if you look at the actual penalty for this uh, stock trading thing, if they if they commit an offense, I think it's something like two or $300. I mean, what's that if you actually make a few thousand or 50,000 or whatever. I pay a, yeah, sure. Paid $300 fine. I made 500,000. Sure. I understand that. Yeah. That all they're going to do. So, so my, my problem with what, so, so I, let me establish this first. I think that a public servant has a responsibility to serve the public first. Does that mean that they don't have that they don't have the ability or the requirement to look out for themselves? And I think um, that if you're in a public service job, you do serve the public first in except in instances where your well-being is threatened or is challenged. Okay. So such as, um, so, so, so a bill comes up about a company that you own stock in. A bill comes up that's going to hurt a company you own stock in. Okay. Your re, your responsibility as a public servant is to serve the public good and not your personal good. I agree. Okay. Public so good. I'm sorry, go ahead. The public good first. The public good is supposed to be first. Right? Right. And so that's that's so now that that you understand what I mean when I say public servant and what my expectations are of people in Congress. Now we can start looking at some of the other out peripheral issues. 
Okay. Okay. So, so the responsibility of an elected official or a public servant is to serve the public good first. Public good first. Sure. Now, if Congress has the ability to trade stock, let's say it's not it's not outlawed, it's not uh, it's not prohibited as part of their job. But in trading stock it erodes or can erodes or has the potential to erode trust in the institution. Do you continue to fight for the right to do it because you want, because you think it's okay as an individual? Are you saying could should Congress fight for the right to do something that's considered illegal or unethical? No, no. Trading stocks is not illegal or unethical. Well, in in, in certain situations, what we're talking about insider trading when they have privileged information. Which no, I'm already- just talking about just basic trading stocks. Okay. Just as a as a citizen of the United States, mm-hmm. to be able to go and trade stocks, every citizen should have the right to trade stocks because it is not an illegal action within the borders of the United States. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's no question that that their that's their right under the Constitution or the law as a citizen to participate in the market. Right. So now what happens is they're exercising their normal right Mm -hmm. as a citizen, but it has called into question their integrity. It has called into question their, um, what's the term I'm looking for? People start to distrust the institution of public service. Because the people in office have the potential to to do things illegal or borders on unethical. Just if you trade stocks and you legitimately don't trade on insider information mm-hmm. and and you don't um, uh, you don't use campaign funds to buy stocks it's out of your pocket it's it's you're using a you know uh, trusted uh, financial advisor who's not trading on insider information or anything like that so so all the trades are up above board but everyone's looking at the potential for a problem here because there is a potential that some of that information is insider trading. There have already been people who have been expelled for insider trading. So now the public is weary of public um, uh, 
what they call them, um, public servants mm-hmm. trading stocks. While it is still legal, wouldn't a a true public servant understanding that that their job is to live within the trust of the people that elect them? If isn't it isn't it imperative that once they realize this as his creating distrust shouldn't they make the decision to no longer do that is trust in the institution or is the ability to trade stock more important than people's trust in the institution well i think the individual buying the stru- buying the stock is driven by his desire to profit or to make money and i think when you look at most of these politicians there is no question what their desires are uh so many of them go into office and by the time they get out their uh, net worth has quadrupled or whatever they just gotten rich all of a sudden you know so i think that based on that alone a lot of people don't trust the politicians because of the money that they, the outside money that they make campaign money, uh, lobbyist money and how that influences what they do. I think you, you mentioned the one thing that, that makes it more interesting too, when you brought up, uh, advisors. So say, uh, people in Congress have circles of, networks and you know of different um professionals i'm pretty sure there are certain advisors that these uh politicians probably connect with now if you were an advisor and you had a client that was had influence or knowledge of certain things or, or desired knowledge of certain things that they might have to pass legislation on. Uh, do you think that advisor might just, um, kind of say, Hey, you know, maybe you ought to look at this company. You know, I think this might be, uh, pretty interesting because of, uh, things that are going on not saying directly that it's insider trading, but giving them throwing out carrots to, to help them make decisions or, or either with the legislation or we either with the purchase of the stock, you know, they, they have opportunities both ways to look at it both ways, you know? Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I guess the way that I see that is in the scope of doing their job. So um, public servants are basically given four, six or two year terms to do public good. Mm -hmm. We don't try to 
eliminate the fact that they can do good for themselves. But the goal is, is that if you do something that benefits you, it should not harm the institutions Mm -hmm. that are in place to benefit everyone. So if what you're doing brings shame, brings doubt, brings infamy to the institution that you're serving in, wouldn't it then be imperative for you as the public servant to protect the institution above yourself? That is the responsibility of a public servant. I would think. Yeah, that that would be their responsibility in that sense. But at the end of the day, we're talking about human beings in this free market economy uh, where people's, a lot of people's number one objective is to acquire wealth. They will more than likely, many of them will more than likely turn the blind eye and overlook the fact that they might be crossing the line to get that extra money. And I agree. I think, I think there are people that go into public service with the intent to do good for the public, right? To help people who need their help, to use the office for the benefit of the many. And then while they're in office, they're tempted mm-hmm. by all of these outside influences to work for themselves or to do something for themselves or to get something personal out of it, something personal financial out of it. Because when they went into office, they went in because of a dream or or, or a mission mm-hmm. that is out that is bigger than themselves. But because they're in influential positions, they're constantly barraged, barraged, presented with opportunities for self edification, Mm -hmm. for self growth, for self um, uh, enrichment. Yeah, in other words, they follow the crowd. Well, (laughs) it's 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 what else they're doing. Okay, I okay. So so because they because there's this appeal to their individuality, they may then not always see the harm that it does to the group when they take opportunities for self-enrichment which can reflect negatively on the position that they hold. So, yeah. hmm? Yeah, I, I, yeah, but when you're following the group, it's a whole different story. You know, you're not thinking about 
because you're doing what they're already doing. A lot of them. Right. It's part of it is that they, they that that other people may be doing it, and so if other people are doing it, then uh, you may see that it's not such a bad thing because other people are doing it. But that's not always the case. Sometimes people do it even though no one else is doing it, but because there's no barriers to them doing it, they do it for themselves. Right. So I'm, I'm not sure I understand your question there, um, uh, Fred. How does this harm the group? Um, so let me let me address it in a way that I think that you're at, that may answer your question. If you if you are given the opportunity to trade stock, which which our uh, elected officials are, they're given the opportunity to trade stock, and then um, their trading stock starts to reflect negatively on the institution of public service. It starts to reflect negatively on elected officials that they have access to information that the typical stock trader does not have. It doesn't matter if they are actually using that influence. What matters is the perception that they can. And so it erodes trust in, in elected officials because they have access to things that other people don't have and then they don't have safeguards in place to keep them from abusing that. And so, and so my thing is, you know, uh, um, Nancy Pelosi was saying it's, it's trading stock is available free. You know, it, it's part of our society. <coughs> so, so true. And that's true. But not every person has access to the highest levels of corporate America. So our politicians have access to information that the normal trader stock traders don't have. So they have a greater responsibility to ensure that they're not sending the message that they're that as a public servant, I have the ability to enrich myself beyond everyday citizens. And that's, I think, what the problem is with the stock trading and those little mistakes like delaying reporting. Warren saying, hey, it may seem simple, but there may be more smoke going on here. There may be something more going on than you just delaying, you know, reporting the stock purchase. And it, and while it may be simple and innocuous to the congressperson, 
It may not be simple and innocuous to the average citizen. And if we erode the trust of public service for self-gain, we've done harm to the system. Yeah, well, a lot of people, a lot of citizens, a lot of voters already think the system is pretty broken. Okay. So this this is um, just another instance where people can say, you see, that's what they do. They're going to take advantage of the law. They're going to, you know, disregard the guidelines and the rules and do what they want to do all for the purpose of getting rich. And then the consequences are so minuscule. I mean, so little $200 fine. If they get caught, what's to stop them? Well, let's, let's, let's talk about that few hundred dollar fine. Let's, let's say it was a million dollar fine. Would that, would that give you more trust in the system? No, but it might make a, a big difference as far as how much of it was done. I understand that. But uh, so for me, the question is your trust in the system has been eroded through those little bitty trades, through those minimum um, uh, fines and fees. It has your, your trust in the system has eroded. So giving greater fees, fines, is more punishment than it is rebuilding trust. Well, trust is what's going to be necessary moving forward so that the system works better. Wouldn't you agree? You want to do something to make the system work better? Is that what you're saying? Sure. Yeah, I, I agree. And how do we do that? I trust trust is, has to be the first has to be the first block, doesn't it? Don't you have to trust that when people are public servants, that their first mission is to serve the public? Well, I mean, either you trust or you don't. How how do you deter? How do you force someone to trust something that they just don't trust? Trust is what? earned like like anything else. Okay, it is yeah. earned. So there are things that can be done to earn trust. Okay, and that's on that individual, correct? It's on all of us. But we're talking about the people that are violating the rules for stocks in particular, though, right? Okay. In particular, we're talking about people. We're talking about even the people that are living within the rules. Mm-hmm. If, if, if 54 senators violate the rules, it impacts the other hundred and a hundred or so representatives. Okay, so it's upon everybody to to maintain that trust that that 
public um, public servants are serving the public first. If we believe that our public officials are serving us first, who would begrudge them the opportunity to make money? Nobody. There would be no reason because we trust that they're handling the business of the people first and that their individual um accumulation of wealth comes second and that they will do what is right. If it comes down to, is it best for the public or is it best for myself as a, an individual congressperson? But what we don't have, it, what we're continuing to erode is the trust that our elected officials are there for our benefit. Again, those if we don't have trust for those individuals, they got there through an election. They were elected. As in us as individuals, we have one choice. We have one vote. And we can talk to other people. But if if an untrustworthy individual is getting elected, over and over and over are multiple individuals that are not trustworthy, keep getting elected. What does that say about the people in general or the system? So you, you have argued with me on multiple occasions that some elections uh, come down to voting for uh, the least disreputable. That, that you have had a choice between two, you had two bad choices and you had to pick the one that was not the worst. Yep. So if we are not voting for candidates that we trust, then we're voting for candidates that we don't distrust the most. Pretty so accurate. just because I voted for a candidate doesn't mean I trust them. Uh, yeah, I agree. What are, what are the other options? And what the options should be is voting for a candidate that we trust to serve the public good. Yeah, yeah. I mean... That's ideally the choice we want to have. But how many times does it boil down to it as what they call the lesser of two evils? But if we don't, if we don't demand that from our officials, then we can't get that from our officials. I think what Nancy Pelosi said made the problem worse. It didn't make it any better. She didn't reassure anybody. She reassured herself that she was allowed to make personal gains at the expense of the public, the public good. And so who's going to hold her accountable? Well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going into that aspect of it. I'm still trying to get to, um, 
understanding public service. Here's, here's, here's another example that, uh, here's, here's another example that, um, that I was thinking, and, and this one I actually was thinking about some years ago. You're a candidate and you run on a platform of closing a factory. Okay. You want to close factory XYZ in your district. Uh-huh. And you said, if I get elected, this is your words. If I get elected, my first job or one of my jobs is to close factory XYZ. <laughs> you get elected. In the course of you getting elected, there is a poll that 60% of the people in your district don't want, don't want company XYZ closed down. Okay. What do you do? Well, without having any details whatsoever. What details do you need? As far as why, why it should or shouldn't be other than what the 50% are saying that, that you, you know, you have to make a determination. Uh, do you want to do what you feel is right? Or do you go with the decision that you feel is wrong? Okay. So what your, your question is, I get to make the personal decision based on what I think is right or wrong ahead of the 60% of people who don't want me to do it, even though I promise to do it. So my, my thought, what I want promise to do it and you got elected on that. You got elected. You said it and you got elected. Then that should be your, you should go with that. So the 60 the 60% of people who don't want it to happen don't matter at that point. I'm not saying they don't matter, but the question is if there was 60% against it, why, why did you get elected? Because you got, might've got elected on something else. Okay. Because there's not one issue. Some people are one issue voters. Most people are not. Okay. So, um, you got elected, you said that you were going to close this factory, but you find that the majority of the people in your district don't want this factory closed. Does your promise to close it supersede the desire of the people in your district? Well, you know, that's, that's a tough situation. I think just, just those plain numbers you threw out, don't, don't tell the whole story. I think you'd have to dig a little deeper into that. That's, that's my, I I guess I'm not. Okay. Fair enough. I, I, I just, I think there is a, a difficulty in understanding what, um, public service is. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and 
I think we need to, as a society, be more sure of what we want in our public servants. Mm -hmm. Do we want them to follow, put, put the public interest first, or do we allow them to put personal interest first? And the difficulty for him, for me here is if I gave you my word that I was going to close this factory and you elected me, am I going to be less thought of by, by going back on my word or am I given credit for recognizing that my district does not want me to do that? And so I have to then decide, is the trust of my district more important than me personally benefiting from my word? So what you're saying is because the decision that you initially made and gave your word on was strictly personal not based on any real benefit i may like i may not like the company i may i may think it's a bad fit but people are allowed to make bad decisions just because the 60 the 60 percent of people want the company to stay does not mean that the company is a good company they may not know things that i know so it's my responsibility to either help them see that keeping this company is of not of their benefit or I have to decide between I'm going to keep my word or I'm going to represent my district. Well, sounds like a tough decision. It's an extremely tough decision. That, being in that situation, you have to make tough choices. That is correct. You have to make tough choices I agree. and you have to deal with the consequences at I the agree. end of the day. I agree. If that costs you the next election, so be it. You just, but you have to make a decision. You have to do, I think you have to do what's right mm -hmm. for the people that elected you because you are a public servant. Mm -hmm. You are not a private citizen anymore. You no longer, your point of view now becomes secondary. Your point of view becomes subordinate to the people in your district that you represent. If you can't convince them that what you initially thought was right, if you can't convince them you weren't hired to be king. You were elected to represent your district. Mm -hmm. Well, point well taken, but I also feel like in that scenario, 
<laughs> the district that you're whatever district we're talking about could have some scenarios be dealing with some scenarios that aren't in the best interest of the public and making a decision to go that route although you're you're pleasing the the people that wanted that at the same time knowing you did not make the best decision is something you'll have to deal with fair enough fair enough so this this next um i'm read this last paragraph um which is i'll read it and then i'll talk Okay. So from the articles that I that I've read, should the push for a full ban be actually serious and successful, it will only be one small step in ending the open corruption of the U.S. political system. Members of Congress will still continue to be bribed with campaign contributions and corporate jobs while U.S. politics continues logistically to be almost exclusively limited to the wealthiest strata of society. The very people most likely to trade in stocks and otherwise invest on the side as they set public policy. That article uh, to me shows the level of distrust that our politics has reached. No doubt. When we have politicians fight for individual gain in a public service position, I think we're headed in the wrong direction of rebuilding trust in the system. I think the first responsibility of a public servant is public service and trust in the system is a part of that responsibility. I think that when candidates are in a job like that for so long, I think it becomes much more and more difficult to see the public service aspect of it because you're a per I believe a person can only deny themselves for so long because in those positions there are many times you have to deny yourself deny your own personal growth to ensure the safety and growth of the group so somebody that's 30 years in Congress, I am skeptical that they're still public servants because in 30 years they have been um, so inundated with opportunities for personal growth mm. that it becomes difficult to ferret out the difference between doing my job and doing my job for myself. And I am not a proponent of, of term limits, 
because I think everybody's threshold is different. Everyone's threshold of public service versus private personal service is different. And I think the voters have to determine if their representative is working on the, the public's behalf or on the, the representative's personal behalf. Mm-hmm. So in a situation where you have, uh, say, a politician that's been in office for 30 plus years or whatever, uh, who, who do you blame for them staying there that long if they're not a public servant doing their job? I don't think there's a, a blame here. So very seldom do you hear. When I was growing up, you, you hear the term public servant a lot. Mm. Now you rarely ever hear anybody call them public servants. Rarely. Oh, no, not at all. Things at change. All. And things get lost. And sometimes you have to reevaluate where you are. You have to reevaluate the path that you're taking because there are always influences trying to pull you in different directions. Mm-hmm. And so I think we've been pulled in a direction and everybody just followed. And there is time for a reckoning. We need to reevaluate what does public service mean and what is the responsibility of a public servant? And then we redefine that. We set a course on that. And then we live by that. And then some years down the road, we look and we make sure that we're still, that our definition of a public servant is still useful, proper, or if it needs to be modified, and then we reset our course to make sure that we continue to do that. If you don't, if you don't reevaluate where you started, where you are, and where you intended to be, you will be a ship without a rudder and you will go in a lot of different directions and it will take you longer to get where you want to be. And that's my, my business consulting training. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I just look at the simple fact that the first, the first thing a public servant politician, whatever you want to call them, has to do is what? He has to get elected. I don't, I, I don't see that as an issue. I, I don't think it's not about getting elected. It's about presenting the case for your ability to serve the public and then allow the public to make the decision. If you sure. get elected, then you step in you have to convince the people that you are able to get done for them what they want you to do. And then if you get elected, that's great. If you don't get elected, that doesn't mean that you weren't um, the right person for the job. It means that you need to find a better way to connect with the people that you want to serve. So the idea that getting elected is a good thing is to me a bad thing. It means 
we've gotten out of whack. That well, yeah, I, I I understand that, but what I'm all I'm saying is you cannot serve if you cannot get elected. Sure, you can That's serve if you can get elected. I know, I know what you're saying. You I know what you mean. Off. What you're saying is not the same thing as what you mean. Okay. Getting elected is just one aspect of public service. Right. So let's let's not equate public uh, elections to public service. Okay. But but we but we were speaking about what does a servant do or not do when they're in office, correct? Right. And so if you're not in office, there's no case. You have to get there to to do anything. And I think that you're elevating and and for me, that statement elevates electings and elections higher than public service. That that the only way to to do public service is um to get elected. And I think um I think public servants get elected, not people who want to be public servants. So the election should only be a formality and not the goal. That's for me. I understand what you're trying to say. What you're trying to say is I can't do the, the I can't do the functions of this office if the people don't elect me. So that the election becomes most important. I got to do that first. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is you have to be the public servant first. And the election is a formality. Okay, so if you've got two candidates running against one another, one is the epitome of the public servant, the other is whatever, the same old stuff. And the bad guy wins. Is that the public servant's fault? Did he do something wrong? Or did the people just want the guy that got elected? In that in that instance, um, the person who wanted to be a public servant, who wanted to hold the office, mm-hmm. didn't obviously make the, the, the case good enough mm-hmm. to the people who he needed to be to serve in that office. That doesn't so so that happens. You, sometimes people who are the best public servant aren't the best communicators. And part of being a great public servant is being want. a good communicator. Maybe huh? they just not what the people want. And that may be. And if people don't want public servants, then they won't get public servants. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I, I didn't like, disagree know, with you on that. We, we could we could throw out names, but that would be irrelevant. I think sometimes the people get what they want. Okay, <laughs> that's my point. I I <laughs> un, point taken. Okay, good enough. All right, last comment. We're out of here. You got a last comment? Well, I just think you know we we. We hashed out some things, and at the end of the day, 
uh, politics and governing is complicated. Okay. And some and which rules do we are more important to actually focus on? I think is something we can consider because this one is important in a certain sense, but it's not in the big scheme of things. It's not that big. I mean. I think there are things a lot bigger than that, that this is connected to. And I think that uh, it's a conversation that needs to be had. We need, mm -hmm. we do need to do uh, some, some uh, reckoning. We need to reestablish what we expect out of our public servants, mm -hmm. uh, what we can do as citizens, what we can do as public servants, um, and then we need to, what, what are we trying to accomplish in our, uh, society, uh, in our, in our government, um, set those goals, uh, understand what it takes to get there, set a path and then follow it. And then some years down the road, re-examine where we are to make sure that we haven't strayed from where we wanted to be or make sure that, um, we re-examine, were our goals realistic at the time and do we need to modify those? I wanna thank everybody for joining me this afternoon, joining both of us this afternoon. We'll be back uh, next Thursday, next Friday. Next Took Friday. for a second, next Friday. Uh, hopefully Leonard will be back with us. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a good day. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares and comments so please like share and comment on this and other episodes of altitude adjustment because it matters and as always look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you